Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Welcome to Women on the Line, Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Program, produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I'm Arij Nord. On today's show, we listen to a panel discussion titled Arts and Sovereignty, which was part of the Woman Jika Festival at Putsgray Community Arts Centre. The panel was facilitated by Paola Bella, who was joined by a wonderful panel of guests, including Rosie Kilvert, Kamahi King, Milawanga Warben and Liuli Eshwagi. On this show, we'll hear from Paola, Rosie and Milawanga talk on the intersections of art and sovereignty for them as Indigenous women leaders and artists. Your stomach Where is your mother and how is your father? I seriously feel like I'm on play school in the big chair and I've worn like the whitest shoes I could possibly imagine. So I have um, settler shoes on but I'm not a settler. <laughs> um, Welcome to settlers that have come. Um, but firstly, I, I pay my respects and, and deeply pay my respects and acknowledge that we are on the um, uh, lands of the Kulin Nations people, uh, the Bunwarang people and the Wurundjeri peoples. Um, and I also have a disclaimer that there's an incredible young person on this panel that um, I'm very blessed to have given birth to, and that is a young woman on, um, on my far right, Rosie. Miss Rosie Kilbert. Um, but I just want to say a couple more things and then I'm going to introduce this amazing panel because I feel in awe and inspired by the people that I'm sitting next to. Am I going in and out or is that okay if I stay there? Okay. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm going to read you a book in the big chair or something sitting here. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, you would have noticed as well um, that our flags are um, flying at half-mast because we've had a lot of sadness in our community in the past week, which is too much already um, to be this early into the year. Um, so we want to uh, pay our respects to Uncle Lynn Tregoning, an incredible artist and community man and very gentle man in the truest sense of the word, and uh, he'll be very much missed. And unfortunately today we've got more um, very sad news that we lost another community man and incredible artist, incredible visual artist, um, but I, I'm not going to name him because he's not my family and I don't think enough people know at this point. But we like to express our um, grief for his loss because it's immense. And also that there's a lot of grief around um, and we live with that um, as Indigenous peoples, as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, as people of colour, as people beyond the binary, as um, people who live with disabilities. Um, people who are trans, people who are marginalised, we, we know grief very intimately. And so we don't need that explained to us, do we? Like, we get that. And we live with that, and we live with it with such dignity and grace that it just astounds me on a daily basis. Um, so there's some incredible beauty and strength in that grieving. Um, 
you know, but we need to do it and we need to talk about it because everything about the West and about colonisation tells us that you're meant to suppress your feelings and we don't do that. <laughs> you know, so we like to talk about our feelings and we like to express them and I think um, this evening you're going to hear some beautiful expressions of feeling and beauty and truth and arts and sovereignty. So, um, I'm very honoured to introduce Auntie Millie um, on my far left. Um, Auntie Millie Wana Wardabin, uh, a traditional Rambanya woman, and Auntie was trying to teach me to pronounce properly before, but I'm, I'm not very good because my tongue isn't wrapping around Auntie's language yet, but I'm going to keep trying. Uh, whose homeland is on um, Bamdubu, Central Arnhem Land, Miliwanga shares her Central Arnhem Land creation story and says, it's taken me years, many years to find the words and ways to give meaning to an intricate, complex culture. And Auntie um, is an artist, a weaver, a traditional healer and traditional medicine practitioner. So please make her very welcome. And um, I mentioned um, Ms Rosie at the end. So um, I won't practice too much bias as her mother, but I'm incredibly proud of her and brag about her all the time. Because <laughs> I gave birth to her and raised her, I think that's my right, so I did that. <laughs> <laughs> Rosie is a young Wemba Wemba and Gundishmara woman of Calabrese heritage and is an artist specialising in makeup. Rosie is an emerging cultural leader, alumni from um, Putsko Community Arts Centre's 2014 um, cohort. And her projects have included This Is Footscray, Animated Wall Mural, and a contributor to the um, Black Side Story Project at FCAC here in 2011, which is a very important project. Um, Rosie is an incredibly, I'm inserting this, she's an incredibly talented makeup artist um, and has a really strong social media presence, which is now close to 50,000 Instagram followers. Um, yeah. <laughs> I keep an eye on the tally all the time. So she uses her platform to use makeup as a tool of empowerment of self and resistance against Eurocentric beauty standards, racism and patriarchal dominance um, of the art spaces um, that she works in. So thank you, Rosie, and please make her welcome. Um, it's also really important that, you know, as you see, there's generational um, representation across the panel, which is, you know, it's what we do, and that's who we are. So I thought we'd just sort of talk a little bit about the notion of sovereignty, what it is personally, um, how we express it, you know, politically, um, but also that, you know, for me, uh, you know, I describe myself as a sovereign um, Wemba Wemba Ngundich Mara woman, um, that is sovereignty never ceded. This country's sovereignty here where we're sitting was never ceded and um, that it's an inalienable right in that you can't buy it, you can't sell it and you can't give it away and that sits within us and no matter how our skin tones might change and we may be challenged about identity in very shallow regressive terms um, as I've taught my, my children Rosie and her little brother that um, no one's ever looked at us and said you don't look Wemba Wemba Ngundich because that is what lives within you. So that's that generational knowledge that we embody. Um, so, Rosie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Nepotism. <laughs> well, I, just as the youngest, I think I'll, I'll, let, you, I'll let you start off. Um, what does it mean to you to be a, a sovereign Indigenous person, particularly a, a young one 
in the field that you know you're working in? Well, in the field that I'm working in, in makeup, uh, like all industries, but I find specifically makeup is very look. I'm going to use the term Becky dominated. Mm -hmm. It it just that's racist for the older folks that don't know what a Becky <laughs> might be. Um, racist. There's a lot woman. of Beckery going on, and mm -hmm. um, it's hard to get by. Uh, and so when I was in makeup school, I faced a lot of challenges, mm -hmm. um, just flat-out racism, microaggressions, um, and obviously, like, you know, I'm an undercover black fella, so, <laughs> you know, they don't know who I am when they look at me. Uh, so in that space and on Instagram, um, how I'm perceived is different to how I am, and so that's something that I try to just um, stay strong within myself and it's hard to hard to explain how I remain sovereign because it's just an ongoing everyday process for me and it also um, coincides with trying to well not trying but decolonizing myself and uh, just everything around me so I guess you know one way that I do it is you know I try to avoid the word Aboriginal I mean I, I I'm proud of that identity but I call myself Wemba Wemba Goodnich Mara and I call myself an intersectional feminist. Um, and uh, one big way that I remain sovereign within myself is that I, I just don't give up who I am. No, no matter where I am, no matter how many racist Beckys there are on Facebook or in, on Instagram or in my makeup class, like, I just got to stay strong and be myself, mm -hmm. regardless of the crap that they give me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Can you, um, before we move on to someone else, can you give me an example of, you know, for people that that are here with us that might not have experienced it but are listening to our experiences, can you give an example of an incidence of racism at the beauty college that you went to? <laughs> oh. Uh, if it's not too triggering no, for you, if you're comfortable. No. Uh, it was, I mean, you know, like I was doing someone's makeup and... You know, I don't know. He asked me. He's like, "Oh, so what's your background?" And so I, I told, I told him. He's like, oh, "I didn't know you were Abo," and I had my fluffy brush in his like eye socket. And in that moment, <laughs> <laughs> it could have gone anywhere. Uh, but I, I just, I don't know how I held it together. But it, it was a couple little things like that, and I just stared him straight in the face, like with his eyeball in my hand <laughs> um, and, and said you mean Aboriginal and I said I'm Wemba Wemba and good at tomorrow and um, so we just you know mm. as as people do um, they don't expect you to kind of fight back so he was like oh okay and yeah so uh, and I there was another one where a girl referred to a foundation colour as the n-word and it I sat there in silence I was disgusted shaking and I just went up to her and blasted her. That was my last straw. I just, I couldn't deal with it. And I, I told the teachers. And I think the bigger, the one that still really aggravates me is there was a whole segment. Well, it was a, like a semester, like a topic called Asian eyes. And I thought, Asia's a really big continent that has a lot of people that look different to one another. I what is an Asian eye? Can you tell me? Um, 
So, yeah, I was pretty interested. And, you know, I asked the teacher and they go, oh, well, you know. And I said, what, what, the word you're looking for is monolid. It's not Asian eye. Mm. And that, that was, that's the makeup industry. And it's something that I really want to tackle. Yeah. Well done. On Community Radio Around Australia, you're listening to a panel discussion on sovereignty and art from the Woman Jika Festival on Women on the Line. Go to 3cr.org.au slash Women on the Line to download this week's program. Don't forget you can like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Auntie Millie, would you like to talk about, you know, your, your art and what you've been doing here this week, what you're bringing to people and what, you know, because you embody it so beautifully and so gracefully, is it, do you feel like it's something that was passed on to you? Do you think it, um, you know, came from you at a certain time in your life? You know, your artwork and your expression, that, you know, the way you the way you move through the world because it's very graceful and beautiful and it, it's just, it blows me away just being around you. I love it. Thank <laughs> you. I, um, I was brought up, uh, nowadays we, we have what we call communities now. But back during my childhood times, I actually grew up in the bush. And a lot of the times I found that being in the bush was my freedom. Uh, my school, an outdoor school, everything that I was taught, everything that was given to me by my mothers, my aunties, my grandmothers, as a woman. And the tradition that we were bound by, but with respect and, as again, with sovereignty as indigenous women. I came a long way to be able to sit here and speak to you in your language because I was illiterate and was only taught by an old missionary lady who had all the time in the world (laughs) to just be with us teaching, teaching us of this new culture. So during those times, I then went on to the community school, although we were the bush kid across the river, so we were allowed to go to school because we did not know English or even write in English. But I thank the old girl for what she did with such patience teaching us to understand the Western culture. And so my first experience uh, that I had was in school. And a lot of the times... I broke many of my protocols that I was bound by. And that was like uh, I lost everything. And the first, first protocol that I broke was I had a male teacher. And in my culture, as a woman, we are not allowed to 
see or look in the eyes of men. And so this teacher, I don't know what I did wrong. I was only new in class. And so he shouted at me, and by that tone in his voice, I knew there was something wrong. And, but I did not gather or even understand what I had done to make him speak like that to me. So he walked over to me and said, look me in the eyes. And I was like trying my best not to. He said, look me in the eyes while I am talking to you now. I tried not to, but still again, and he twisted me around and said, look me in the eyes when I am speaking to you. So that was one of my first um, experience and uh, a protocol I was bound by was broken. And I, I felt like I had done something, you know, more that I could imagine, because it was not only me, but I thought of all my mothers and my grandmothers and my aunties, you know, and older sisters, older cousins. What would they, you know, say when they see this or hear this? But being in a community was run by the government, and so people had fear over even, you know, the white people working there, and especially the police. So if they said anything about it, they knew they would be locked up or be taken away. And so it didn't really bother our women, and especially me. But that did not stop there. I became who I am today. And I have a sovereignty as an indigenous woman in my culture and also as my people. So I began to balance both culture to become where I am now. And that took me a very, very long time to switch from my culture, from my traditions, to the Western traditions. But that didn't take away what I had. It was always in me. Although my aunties and my mothers and my grandmothers did traditional healings, but they weren't seen, so they did it outside of the community. And I followed that through, and it was just only uh, recently in the 70s, 76, I think, when we got back our communities, we were able to do our bush medicines and to heal. We have always had it. It was always in us. And today we are able to share that with everyone. And I also became a teacher librarian. It was during that time uh, Cyclone Tracy came, and we graduated before it came. <laughs> but it took everything, unfortunately. But I then went on 
to do more studying. I only left year 10 because of the prejudice that happened in school where I was. Just like you heard, I had the same experience. And these boys came up and said something to me. For me, prejudice, racism, discrimination does not exist in our culture. We do not even have name for such words. And so when they came up to me and called me this name, I did not know what it was until one of my friends came up. Don't you realize what they just said to you? I said, what? They call you this. And she whispered, oh, you know, um, I've never experienced that because we never had it. And now here we see it happening a lot. And during my journey, I have experienced all these things. And to show people that we don't have all these things, discrimination, racism, prejudice, my work that I do as a traditional healer is I teach my culture to the people. Spirituality is so important. And without that, we wouldn't be here and we wouldn't have survived this country. What had happened back then with the black history. Yep, so we still stand in sovereignty and we will stand for as long as it's going to take until we gain that sovereignty. Yo. 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 Yeah, I think it's a, a sad fact that I think all of us up here have been called um, a whole range of names. I know I was at primary school and it makes me very sad that my uh, daughters had to go through that and my 12-year-old son just recently confided to me that um, he got called an abo on the football field um, and, and it was a few months Oh, six months ago, and I said, why didn't you tell me at the time, son? And he said, because I knew that you'd go to the league and make a big deal out of it. <laughs> but um, he'd also witnessed me and supported me in, um, in taking a local football league around here um, to, to task over discriminating against young Sudanese boy, um, which was heartbreaking. It was sickening, devastating, and, and you know, all of that. So I, I guess, like, just... Um, yeah, Auntie, just to sit here and listen, I am in absolute awe. And if I think tonight we were all just educated in an incredibly deep and very lasting way, so take that with you and be very grateful for it because I know I am and I'm very honoured that I got to, to be in your presence and listen and that my child did. Mm-hmm. Um, being around you makes me miss my grandmother... I lost her when I was young, and so like many of us um, in the Victorian Aboriginal community, um, you know, our people don't live very long, and this is this ongoing reality. And, and talking about you know deaths in justice and um, um, deaths in custody, you know, we're yet to see a, a conviction of any white person over the death of an Aboriginal person in this country. Not one. We're still waiting, you know. 
Um, but this, you know, strive for justice and um, the passion and love and this patience, like Auntie um, has um, demonstrated beautifully tonight, that strength of patience, particularly in our matriarchs, in our aunties and grandmothers and um, big cousins and sister girls that stand up for you and, you know, take the earrings off in the playground and right there by your side. Um, whether that's, you know, in the virtual world um, where we're protecting each other, looking out for each other. That was Pala Bala ending on the strength, patience and sisterhood of Indigenous women. Women on the Line is Community Radio's National Women's Current Affairs Programme. It's produced and presented by a range of women broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We greatly appreciate the financial support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email at womenonthelion at gmail.com. Women on the Line programs can be downloaded from our website, 3cr.org.au slash womenonthelion. The theme music for Women on the Line is Slideshow at Free University by Le Tigre. And the feature song for today's show is You Are the Mountains by the very wonderful Alice Skye. Thank you for listening to Women on the Line. I'm Adich Noor and I hope you can tune in again next time. <laughs>